Okay, moving right along, we are going through the New Testament in 2023. We are in Matthew chapter 17, which really begins in chapter 16. A lot of times these chapter divisions are not in the right places. Of course, when it was originally written, it wasn't written with chapter divisions or verses in there. Those things are put there for our benefit so that we can find where we are this morning. It would be quite difficult if there were no chapter divisions for us to even say where we're going to be this morning. So it really starts in chapter 16, where Jesus says in verse 28, uh, let's go back to 24. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, I would think that some of us here, that's why we're going along in the New Testament, trying to be disciples of Jesus and figure out what that means. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay, um, I'll put myself uh, second, I guess, at least, and begin to follow Jesus. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Okay, um, my life belongs to Jesus. I, I give it to him. 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for a soul? Right. So if I get everything else and I miss God and I miss eternal life, what, well, what did I gain? I didn't gain anything. So I'll give up everything to get Jesus. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they've done. Fair enough. Now, verse 28, this is where we want to be. Truly, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, this would lead some to assume that Jesus was saying that he will come back. The scripture teaches that. That they would stay alive until Jesus came back. But is that what it's saying? And then you have a chapter division. Well, there shouldn't be a chapter division there because it says after six days, six days after what? After Jesus said, some of you who are standing here, his disciples, will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So he takes the three up with him and he led them to a high mountain by themselves. Some people say this was Jesus intimate circle. I think it was the remedial group, <laughs> which I was sort of in when uh, growing up. I, I knew that one where the teacher wanted me to stay close to the teacher. Um, and so Jesus is, I guess, maybe keeping them close to the teacher because they were his intimates or because uh, he was uh, keeping them segregated from the rest of the group. You decide. I say that he was uh, keeping them from making trouble when he was gone. <laughs> well, there he was transfigured. So his figure was changed. His figure, his person. Before them, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Now, this is an appearance. If you move forward to the book of Revelation and you see Jesus in the future, you see the, the heavenly Jesus, this describes him. So there he is in his future glory, the coming of the kingdom, the coming of the eternal kingdom. And there's Jesus in that eternal kingdom. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. 
Just then there appeared before him Moses and Elijah, who were talking with Jesus. So these are really the great prophets of the Old Testament, but they're long gone. They've, they've passed on a long time ago. But here they are, alive with Jesus, on top of that mountain. Jesus is in his future glory. You have these guys from the past, and they're talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Well, one of the things that's happening here is the future kingdom is coming. But you also see the past, the present, and the future all gathered together up on that mountain. And of course, with Jesus, with God, the past, the present, and the future really don't mean any, anything. We, we're stuck here in time. But God, the creator of the universe, he stands outside of time. We know that matter and time are connected. When all of this was created, time was created. But God stands outside of all of this. Jesus stands outside of all of this. He's the creator. And so you see the past, the present, and the future all together on that mountain. And there's this amazing spiritual experience. And Peter is saying, let's just keep this experience. Let's just live here. Let's live in this moment. Well, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Don't, don't be... Don't be coming up with all kinds of bright ideas. <laughs> There's something going on here. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground. They were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, and don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. So that that future experience, that heavenly experience, that experience outside of time was over. And Jesus touches them, tells them to get up, and they get up. And when they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So Jesus does this a lot, tells them, you know, well, don't tell anybody what happened. But when, he, when he's risen from the dead, you know, then you can tell a story. Well, now the story is being told. Disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? Well, that's in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. You're talking about Elijah coming before that great and terrible day of the Lord. And Jesus said, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Some people think that this is a reference to John the Baptist, who came and was the forerunner to Jesus. Restoring all things, saying the kingdom is coming. Get ready for the kingdom and Jesus comes. But what did they do to John the Baptist? They beheaded him. Uh, you, you remember Herodias, the, the young girl, danced and Herod liked it and said, you know, what do you want? And the mom said, you know, go get the head of John the Baptist on a platter and bring it to me. Wild people, wild times. Then the disciples understood he was talking about John the Baptist. So uh, verse 14 uh, when they came to, when they came toward the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. So they're coming down from the mountain. They're coming down from the spiritual high experience. And sometimes that happens. We have these spiritually high experiences. But you've got to come down from the mountain. And when you come down from the mountain, there's demon-possessed people and all kinds of trouble and all kinds of difficulty. And this man lay, kneels before Jesus. And he said, he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. Amazing, isn't it, how... 
parents bear such a burden for their children and are so concerned with their children. And, and here's this guy coming to Jesus for his son. I think we can do the same today. We should be coming to Jesus for our children. He said he has seizures and he suffers greatly. And he often falls into the fire, into the water. And I brought him here to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus said, well, you know, you're unbelieving and perverse generation. How long am I going to be here with you? How long am I going to put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon because Jesus has power over supernatural forces, angels and demons. He has power we've seen over the creation, over waves and storms. That Jesus has power over sickness, over blindness, and um, even over death. Jesus has power over everything. And the disciples came to him in private and they said, Lord, why couldn't we drive this out? Why couldn't we do this? Like you had to, you, you did it, but you know, how come we couldn't do it? And he said, well, you don't have a lot of faith. You know, I, truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, which is a very small seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Having faith. And uh, faith comes from God. God will give us faith. I think you can pray for faith. God, give me more faith. Spread it right now. Lord, give me more faith. I have situations in my life. There's situations around us that require a lot of faith. So give us faith. Give us an infusion of faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, verse 22, this will be the last little passage we can do. Uh, when they came together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And they're going to kill him. And on the third day, he'll, he'll be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. So Jesus is preparing him for the, them for this whole idea that he is going to die and it's going to happen at the hands of the religious authorities who uh, collaborate with the governmental authorities of Rome. He'll, be, he'll die on the cross. He'll be dead. He'll be put in a tomb. And three days later, he will rise from the dead. And his apostles are filled with grief about that. They really should be filled with joy about that because um, that means our salvation that means our relationship with God. You know, as, as he died for us, forgave us our sins, he's risen again. When we put our faith in him, we'll be with him wherever he is forever. He'll be with us now and we'll be with him forever. So uh, we'll move along. We'll be in uh, chapter 18 next time. Hey, bless you guys.